My name is Jordan Ross, and thanks for listening to What's Your Limp? I'm an actor and the host of this podcast, but I also happen to have cerebral palsy and scoliosis, resulting in a limp. That limp led to vicious bullying in high school, limited opportunities as an actor, a number of insecurities, and severe depression. However, over time I slowly learned to open up about my feelings, which showed me that I'm not alone, because the more I opened up, the more others opened up to me. I quickly learned that everyone has a limp, whether it's physical or internal. I stopped seeing my limp as a weakness and began to see it as an asset. And that's the goal of this podcast, is to help others do the same. So, as you listen to my conversations with some of your favorite actors, athletes, singers, and public figures, listen closely. Because you might just find out that some of them struggle with the exact same limp as you. So let's all learn to love our limps together. What is up, my fellow limpers? This is your host, Jordan Ross, and thank you for listening to another episode of the What's Your Limp podcast. Now, today is a really exciting episode because I had the privilege of sitting down and chatting with Nick Vujicic, who you might know is the limbless motivational speaker uh, who has inspired literally millions of people around the world, myself included. Uh, the reason it was such a special episode for me is because Nick recently did an interview with uh, the creator of The Chosen, Dallas Jenkins, uh, talking about my scene uh, in episode two of season three. So it was really cool from an outside perspective getting to listen to uh, his response to that scene as a fellow member of the disabled community um, and also as a fellow advocate for the disabled community. So it was really cool hearing his uh, his response to all of that, his reaction to it. And um it was great getting to sit down and talk with him too, because I'm just now starting to dip my toe into the world of activism and, uh, you know, giving speeches and, and, uh, doing speaking engagements and all of that fun stuff. And Nick has been at it for quite some time now. Uh, so I loved picking his brain, getting some tips from him and just, uh, learning more about his journey and getting to know him a little bit better as a person. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Nick Vujicic. First off, thank you for being here. It is awesome to be here, Jordan. I've been a, a big fan of yours and admirer of yours for a long time. Okay. Um, so when Dallas, he actually told me. I think when we were shooting uh, the scene w between little James and Jesus, before, like when I was going through hair and makeup, um, he mentioned that he had talked to you about it and that alone was really exciting. And then seeing your conversation with Dallas was, was really cool as well. So it was a very moving scene. Well, he thanks. said, what did you think? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, yeah. I was moved, moved, moved. And it was amazing. Also be interviewed by Dallas, but thank you for having me on your show and, and hello to everyone out there. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Yeah. I want to talk about that scene and about the, um, you know, the, the relationship between faith and healing, obviously something that, uh, I know you've talked a lot about. It's something I've become really uh, passionate about talking about. Um, but I usually start from the beginning. So your childhood, like what was childhood like for you? Um, and one thing that you mentioned in that interview with Dallas that I find fascinating, and I've talked to a lot of other uh, people within the disabled community about it, 
Um, but the moment that you realize or that you started to view your differences as like a flaw or as a weakness um, because of how others were treating you, I remember specifically that moment for me, and I'll share that with you as well. But um, I'd love to talk about your childhood and then what was that moment where it shifted and you started to kind of think negatively about your differences. Dude, can I say I applaud you for doing a show like this. This is amazing. Yeah, look, um, such an honor just to share my story with your listeners a little bit. Um, on Without Limbs, if, you, if you're listening on audio, you can't see that I have no arms and legs, but I have on the bottom left of my torso uh, a little foot, a little appendage with two toes. And um, my childhood, um, first and foremost, so thankful that I had a loving home, my mom and dad. Um, it took my, my dad quicker, if you will, to embrace the circumstance. Um, but my mom, you know, obviously she just had to go through a a little bit more emotions and a different point of view as the mother, um, uh, grieving and shock and questioning, especially the fact that she had a lot of medical background as well. Um, with no medical explanation and even my brother and sister born after me with no disabilities whatsoever. Did your mother have any guilt? Uh, like, because uh, I feel like there's a mom guilt is a real thing, especially you know uh, her growing <laughs> yeah, you. I, yeah. I feel like psychologically, sometimes you can wonder, like, is this my fault somehow? Yeah. Well, let's deep dive into that then a little bit first. So, um, she actually was a midwife, and she was the head of like 300 births in a in a hospital per wow. month, and so she knew what thalidomide was. She actually didn't even take caffeine, no painkillers for headache or anything like that. She was extremely careful with her pregnancy. And she'd been seeing all her career these um, drug-addicted women having perfectly beautiful babies, right? So that was part of her grieving process. Like these women who didn't look after their pregnancy, here I am looking after my pregnancy with all that I am. Mm-hmm. And now I have a limbless child. And what was interesting, Jordan, was they had three sonograms and they had no idea that I had no limbs until I was actually born. Wow. And so it was a huge shock. And they were just too excited, right? But my mom told my dad, there's something wrong. He's not moving as much. He's small. Something's wrong. Even when they actually wanted to know if I'm a male or female uh, baby, they said the legs were not in the way. Uh, he's a boy for sure. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was a huge shock. The grief, the the questions. She first needed to know what happened, and no one knew what happened. And so she then figured out she couldn't blame the doctors, but there was nothing that she did wrong either. Mm-hmm. And so it's this grieving process of first of all mourning the dream of a healthy baby. Now she had a healthy baby, but with a few bits missing. Yeah. And in, in their faith in God, I mean, my dad was 27 when he planted their first church. 11 months later, I was born. So new pastor, church plant. Now the pastor's son being born without limbs. I mean, you can imagine. So went through a lot of that shame, guilt, like all that stuff. But yeah, we all go through those things. Yeah. Um, so. They um, embraced me, took me home. They had an incredible family support network around them, even to the point where both of my parents' parents said, if you give him up for adoption, we'll take him. Wow. But they knew that you know, no one's going to love their son as much as you know they love them, uh, they love me. 
and they were not thinking of adopting. And that was the way that they thought, we're just going to do our best and trust God in the rest. Now, we love seeing adoption happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, My friends actually have adopted special needs children that inspired me. Me and my wife are actually starting the paperwork to adopt children and wow. sorry, a child. <laughs> a children. <laughs> All uh, the children. We have enough, you know, we have four biological children. But you know, when when you look at these kids who have disabilities, you know it, I know it. You know, it's different when when you have a disability. So many things you and I could talk about. The dynamic of I don't even know if you had siblings, but yeah. The dynamic of of them feeling like they're in our shadow. You know, mom and dad had to focus in on me more. And what yeah. does that mean? We were the a little dynamic, more right? Yeah. And then my they'd be treating my brother like a slave. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like feeling like I was entitled to him, then having to do things for me. And even my parents calling my brother Aaron to hold Moses's hands up. You know what I mean? Wow, Very yeah. interesting. So many things we could get into, but uh, my parents embraced me and they always said, God has a plan for you. Don't worry about what people think of you. In 1982, that's when I was born. 1989, I was supposed to go to school. 1989, the state law in education in Australia uh, disallowed me from being integrated into the mainstream school system. I was supposed to be segregated. Mm-hmm. But little did anyone know that my mom would be used in the hands of God to then actually go in full respect and full humility, but mama bear courage, go yeah. there and say, can we change the law? And they did. And so I was actually the first student that was handicapped, basically, wow. uh, to be integrated. I actually was Citizen of the Year of Australia on national television for that in 1990. And so all of this to say I was the only one going to school. I was, you know, in a wheelchair and everybody looked at me. And, um, you know, I'd come home crying. Like, why was I born this way? I don't understand. God loves me. Where is he? So that was that was the childhood. And how could any good come from this? How could... I ever find a wife at age eight, I convinced myself, Jordan, that I'd never get married. Wow. Uh, even if I got married, I can't even hold my wife's hand. I convinced myself that I would always be bullied, that I'd never get a job, that I'd always be independent, that I'd never be independent, that all these things just surmounted, but by the grace of God and mercy of God, I had the loving home and I want to start there. So yeah. that's, that's, that's the beginnings. I love that. I, um, there, there is so much I, I relate <laughs> we to. We talk. My sister, so I was, uh, in addition to my scoliosis and, and cerebral palsy, I, I went through a bunch of um, surgeries to correct my curved spine and my hips, and um, but I also have severe asthma. So I was hospitalized from age like six to uh, 18, probably four times a year uh, because of the asthma. And half of those times I would be in ICU. I was intubated when I was 18 for two weeks. Um, and so there was a lot, like I spent a big chunk of my time in the hospital and my sis, my, I have two younger sisters and an older brother and, uh, my sister who's two years younger than me, I remember as a, as a little kid saying like, it's not fair. Jordan gets to go to the hospital. I want to go to the hospital oh. because she saw that like people bring me balloons mm. and toys and all of this stuff. So it, it, it is such in hindsight, whenever you look back, it's such an interesting dynamic, yeah. um, but yeah, having a loving home was key for me as well because I, my mom is the type of person um, that no matter what I, I told, I could tell her today that I want to change careers and do 
I want want to be a firefighter. And she would totally support it. She would um, send me a list of like places I can start training or like she she would do whatever she could to support that. And um, because of that, like just total faith in in my abilities, even if, uh, you know, no one else has that same faith in my abilities. um, She like that helped me believe in myself uh, a little bit more. And, um, the moment though, that I began to, cause there were times I knew I walked different from other kids. I knew my back was crooked. I knew, uh, all of that, but I didn't feel bad about it as a child. The other kids accepted me in elementary school and, um, you know, I played with them the same way, like the, there wasn't the insecurities yet. And then I went to high school and it was my first public school. Um, and I was just different enough that it made me like an easy target. I knew mm-hmm. nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I couldn't really find a group to fit in with. I, I bounced around. I tried different clothes. Um, I wore a wig to like a little Afro wig to see if anyone would notice and no one noticed. So it was like all of these weird tactics to try to be seen and try to, to find my place. Um, and then one day I remember these kids invited me to come sit with them and started talking about acting and, uh, they asked, you know, what I do. So I told them I, I act. And at the time I had done a couple of little guest spots on like Nickelodeon shows or Disney things. So I told them that, and, um, I was starting to get excited that like, oh, these people are showing interest. They care. And then they said, oh, I didn't know they let cripples on that show. And that was the moment that, uh, I was like, oh, uh, you know, this thing that makes me different is bad. This is Mm, something I need to be ashamed mm. of. And around that, within that same year, I was starting to have casting directors comment on it as well and say, hey, can you try it again without the limp or can you tone the limp down? Um, and things like that. And it became, uh, this thing where I felt like I had been given this, um, gift and this blessing of like, and this passion for, for acting. I felt like I was given that for a reason, but then I felt like God also gave me this curse that would prevent me from ever realizing, um, you know, the potential of that gift. Uh, so it was a weird, weird relationship I had with my, my limp and it, it, you know, I became suicidal as a teenager. I, I dealt with severe depression um, but that was the moment for me. And I, I want to talk more about the moment that I started to see it as something to be proud of and something to embrace later on in life. Um, but what was the, do you, did you have a moment for you that, that, um, you started to, to view that as a bad thing? What a compelling story you have. Oh, thank you. Have you written a book? I'm working on it actually. Oh my goodness. So, oh my goodness. You got to write a book. Um, I, I, I may I may reach out for some advice uh, in that. In I'm that down area. the street. You got me. Yeah. Um, for me, so your question was, did I? How was my journey on that? Yeah. In that context, for sure. Um, I hated the idea that um, that my parents would believe in a God who didn't make sense to me, right? And who was okay at that point to believe that he's still good even though i've asked for a miracle you read the bible and you see these miracles and you ask why not me like why don't you get and then you go to school and these bullies who tease you you know for me i looked at these kids and I'm like, they don't, they don't deserve their arms. Like, why did you give them <laughs> arms? I like, rip them off and give them to me. You know what I mean? 
And the whole um, journey of wondering why was um, sometimes all I could think of, but I did have a joyous, you know, couple years, like ages six, seven, eight. It wasn't all depressed, but the dark days came at age eight to 12. Okay. And so for me, my, my dad, if I, I, I knew I'm not going to be a firefighter, right? Like, right. um, I knew I wasn't going to be a doctor. Um, but my dad said, push in mathematics. So my parents actually, just so you understand my parents, where they came from, mm -hmm. they fled communism regime of Yugoslavia in 1962 and 1969. They wow. met in Australia. They were in refugee camps. They came to Australia with nothing. Wow. So then they had a limbless boy and they told the limbless boy, listen, be thankful for what you you have instead of focusing on what you don't have. And God didn't give you arms and legs, but he gave you a brain. Use your brain. You're smart. Don't be lazy. And so they didn't buy me toys. If I wanted something from the store, I would make money vacuuming the floor for $2 a week. And then it would teach me how to save and be thankful for what I had and even give me a sense of dignity as well, mm -hmm. that I could do something. Yeah. And so in that, uh, it taught me a, a level of gratitude that if he gave me everything I wanted when I wanted, I'd never be you know, a, a person of gratitude, which is to me the secret of all secrets where we come to God and it's actually this, this, this mindset that despite your circumstances, even when you don't get a miracle, you can be one. He can give me arms and legs. He doesn't have to give me arms and legs. I can pray for arms and legs, but I don't need arms and legs. I can have a pair of shoes in my closet today, which I do just in case he gives me arms and legs. <laughs> but whatever it is, I just know that I love him and he loves me. Now, that was when I found him. But pre those seasons um, of of trusting in him, I didn't want to talk to him. Um, I I became number one at chess. I became number one at math. And that helped me to like have a foundation of confidence. Mm -hmm. And um, at, if I can't run track, if I can't do football, at least I'm smarter than you at math. You know, that was kind of yeah. like my coping mechanism, which was cool. Um, but, but what I realized was people were judging me for how I look. And I'm like, well, what if I judge you for your nose and your hair and your freckles and your shoes and the way you walk? Like, I mean, big deal. Like, big deal. I have no arms and legs. But it was the point where you were sharing, right? You didn't think it was such a big deal until tell, people told you about your limp and yeah. maybe that it was a bad thing. That was as soon as I went to school. And I'm like, oh, I am different, but it's actually, it's not a good thing. <laughs> and so at age eight, I got angry uh, because there were no answers and I prayed for a miracle. There was no miracles going on. You know, faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. And today, you know, my passion, you know, a lot of people are saying these days in churches, well, just give, do good, you know, be good. And, and basically God can't say no to your prayers because you pray in his will and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm sorry, but his perfect will for you, number one, is to go home to heaven. And so that's why Christians are going to die. So if you continue to pray, God, I never want to die, I never want to die, I never want to die. Guess what? One day you're going to die. Yeah. yeah. So same thing with cancer. Christians die of cancer. Yeah. But we know, though, which I didn't, it was hard for me to believe. It's like, okay, if you didn't give me this pain, then why don't you take it away? So the first fundamental principle is understanding that disabilities, cancer, sickness, death came from sin. 
and the sin came from the fall of man. Now we have mosquitoes biting us, we have death, we have cancer, we have disabilities. I wanted to believe, Jordan, that the Bible was fully true. I wanted to believe in heaven, the power of the resurrection. I knew I was a liar if I lied once. I know if I stole once, I'm a thief. I knew that I wasn't perfect for heaven. But I just didn't understand if he really loves me, where are my arms and legs? So I actually tried to commit suicide at age 10. I wow. uh, convinced myself that he had forgotten me when he you know, said in the Bible, he has a plan for me. He's like, well, it's not for me. That, that can't be for me. Um, and so I tried to drown myself with six inches of water in the bathtub. And uh, tr- it's very scary trying to attempt suicide. You know, sucking in water, trying to f- figure out how much do you swallow before you inhale it, and then you're done. And it was premeditated for two years I'd been thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the third time I rolled over, though, by the mercy of God, God gave me a picture in my mind. My mom and my dad crying at my grave wishing they could have done something more. And I realized at that point, there is something worse than having a limbless kid. It's a limbless kid who commits suicide and leaving that behind. And so I didn't want to do that. But it it was done because, uh, it was not just because I loved them, but it was because of their love for me, their persistent love. You're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. I just want you to know parents, even if your children like get annoyed when you tell them, just keep on telling them, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. Because that persistent love is needing, uh, uh, needed in the soul because we're never going to go through life without resistance. Yeah. But if you embrace resistance, that's how you get resilience. No one gets resilience without resistance, and no one's going to go through life without resistance. And in fact, if you're a Christian without resistance, maybe actually not standing in the right place. And so when you know that all fundamentally and principally, um, by the grace of God, I decided to stay, didn't really talk to him for years. Real quick, how I came to Jesus and got out of depression, I was playing soccer, hurt my foot so bad, couldn't walk for three weeks, was in bed staring at the ceiling. And I realized I have a choice, either to be angry at the fact that I have no limbs for real, or be thankful for my foot. Mm-hmm. And you know, with my foot, I can be mobile and type on a smartphone and all these things. And uh, it was everything to me, my mobility. Um, And so I started to have the attitude of gratitude. At age 15, read John chapter 9, a man was born blind. No one knew why that man was born blind. And they asked, was it because of his sin or was it because of his parents' sin? I want to unpackage that for a second. Yeah. So people think that reincarnation is, you know, a new thing-ish. No, it's not. So when they asked Jesus, Jesus, was it because of his sin? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, he's not going to sin in the womb in his previous life. And when I was 13, someone said, I know why you were born this way. It was done so that the work, uh, it was, it was done because of reincarnation. And I'm like, what's reincarnation? She told me that I was a bad boy in my previous life. And now I'm coming back limbless because of my previous punishment, basically, mm-hmm. for my previous life. I'm like, that is nuts. That is crazy. <laughs> the other question they had to them was, is it because of the parents' sin? So meaning a punishment for their sin that now they are given by God as a judgment a child with no sight. No, we know that Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. So if he's punishing us for our sin, we would be dead. So Jesus said neither. 
it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. Yeah. And that's when Jesus spits on the dirt, puts mud on the man's face, and the blind man would change me, Jordan. It was not another miracle. What changed me was the process of this, where Jesus is giving the blind man a facial, and the <laughs> blind man doesn't say anything, doesn't stop him, doesn't question anything. And here we are. What's your plan, God? Tell me what your plan is. Then I'll tell you if I trust you. Yeah. Wait, what's going on? He didn't even say that. He stood there. Be still and know that I am God. And he gave this man clay or mud, whatever, dirt with his saliva on his face. <laughs> and after he was done, he saw. And what was amazing is I realized um, God has a plan for a blind man. Okay, then God has a plan for me. Who am I? to judge his plan. And I realized, more than arms and legs, do I really, really need arms and legs? No, I look at people with arms and legs and they're weeping and they're depressed. And I'm like, but you have arms and legs. And we all know arms and legs doesn't make a difference. Yeah, it's not all it's cracked up to it's me. Not, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's going to give you arthritis later on anyway. Yeah. That's what I found out. But, um, and then um uh, I realized what I really needed was my soul to be sa saved and restored and needing his peace and no knowing my purpose and, and, and having that faith to know that, that his ways and thoughts are higher than mine. If he chooses to give me arms and legs, it doesn't change how good he is. He is God. If he chooses not to give me arms and legs, it doesn't change anything about God. He is God and he is good. If he can use me, and yeah. that's when I gave my life at, Jesus, at, at 15 years old, I said, Jesus, if you don't give me arms and legs, can I just ask then, use then my pain. Don't waste this. Yeah. Just use it. And I'm all in. And I gave my life to Jesus. God, if you give me arms and legs, I'll trust you. If you don't give me arms and legs, I trust you. Now, you have a scoliosis. I've had a scoliosis. I was also born with a rare degenerative disease of my spinal column. Okay. At age 19, it was 2002, I had three holes in my spine. It's called a syrinx. You have to be born with it. Wow. And they gave me a prognosis by age 35, I'm going to have no back. Now, at age 19, I'd already seen my first miracle as we prayed for someone with a crooked back. I mean, she was 65 degrees, her... Legs were uneven. In South Africa, we laid hands on her. Her legs became straight. Her, 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 her back became straight. And she fell to the floor, weeping out of joy. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, God is in the house. I'm ready for my miracle. And he didn't <laughs> give me a miracle. And it was like so ironic that he yeah. uses a man without arms and legs to then see other miracles happen. Sure. And it was so surreal. And then we prayed in South Africa, and I actually saw uh, probably six, seven miracles in a row. Now, even in my own back, Jordan, with doctors from Southern California, they've actually seen over 14 years my three holes in my spine become two, become one, become none. Whoa. Medically unexplainable. Now, I've seen the spiritual realm. I've seen demons walking through my hotel room, not in Africa, in California. I've seen the spiritual realm. I've seen exorcisms. I know God is real. So do I know that God can do miracles? Absolutely. Was it weird going into Macy's and buying my own pair of shoes? Absolutely. Do I believe that God can do it right now? Absolutely. But do I know that when you don't get a miracle now that you can still be one? Absolutely. Yeah. The last story, and then I'll let you 
comeback. Sorry, I just want no, to share no, all that. I'm in a yeah, yeah. But it was amazing at age 24 when I was speaking in California. And uh, there was a little boy with no arms and no legs. And he was so cute. He, he, he also had a little left foot just like me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, and so I interrupted the sermon and I said, can you bring him up on stage? And I'm looking down at him, his 19-month-old Dan- Daniel Martinez. Now he wants to be a speaker and an author and blah, blah, blah. And it was amazing. I imagine this is, um, yeah, long time ago. I was 24 years old, 16 years ago, okay? Yeah. Up on the table with me in front of the whole congregation is looking at me and I'm looking down in here and I put my little foot on his foot and he cry- He smiles and everyone cries. And his mother comes up and says, thank you for being our miracle. My, my heart, the only thing that could come to my mind was, thank you, Lord. I, I couldn't plan this. If I was born without limbs and God said no to my begging, my arms and legs at age eight, so I could help this child know that it's going to be okay. And then if now he knows that if God has a plan for Uncle Nick, then God has a plan for little Daniel. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wished. I'm, I'm sure you would wish as well. Like I wish someone came to our schools and told every bully to shut their freaking mouth. Yeah. You know, just like be quiet, yeah. you know? I never had a limbless speaker come to my school mm-hmm. to tell him that. But I went to his school and I told him that in a loving way, in a compelling way, yeah. and in, in a winsome way that actually bullying completely stopped across the school. Wow. He just graduated high school. He's getting his business management degree. He wants to become a speaker and an author and blah, blah, blah. And so I might give him a couple pointers, of course, right? And so the amazing thing here is like, you know, I know, Jordan, who you are because of what God's done in you. And how much you love him and trust him, wherein you got a wife, you got three kids, you're happy, you got this show, you go and acting, but it's the bottom line of not about our success. Mm-hmm. It's about being where God wants us to be. And whether that means we're a bedridden person who can't walk, can't talk, it was a person who actually couldn't walk, couldn't talk, who God used to convince me at age 19 to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Because that man who couldn't walk, couldn't talk because of Lou Gehrig's disease, Phil Toth, in San Diego, California, when I met him, he smiled. And I knew before he was completely bedridden at age 25 that he actually started a website to encourage other bedridden people. Thinking, this this guy can't walk, can't talk, and he can reach hundreds of people. I can walk and I can talk. Yeah. So here we are today. There's okay. <laughs> Thank Sorry, you for so sharing all of that. So no, <laughs> I love it. I Good. I'm uh, processing it all. You mentioning uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, the person who, uh, uh, in addition to my mom, the person who, uh, for me, was one of my biggest influences and inspirations was my my grandfather. Who um, it wasn't Lou Gehrig. It was basically a form of Lou Gehrig's disease sure. called. Uh, olivoponto cerebellar atrophy. Um, and uh, it's a mouthful, but he had it. Uh, he was the head of a hospital in Arlington, Texas um, for years. He was a, a great doctor, um, the most patient, loving, compassionate, kind, quiet man I've ever known. Like he just listened and observed, and we'd watch the Dallas Cowboys games together and old movies together. And um, 
you could just see him sitting there watching the grandkids and great grandkids playing and just how much joy that brought him. Uh, but he, he got this disease and his life expectancy when he was diagnosed was about five years. Um, and he made it 20 years with the disease because every day he'd get up and ride his exercise, exercise bike and get dressed and do all of these things. Even if it took him three hours to, you know, get his pants and shoes and socks on, um, because he knew as soon as he stopped that then it would all go downhill. So he did everything as long as he possibly could. And he passed away. This will be four years ago this year. Um, but there wasn't a day that I ever saw him complain or uh, show any any bitterness or resentment. He was just always so grateful for everything and such a rock in our family, but such a role model for me because the times that I, you know, would feel bad about myself or, or you know, beat myself up over something or, or feel insecure, um, I always would think of him and how he, you know, lived his life. Um, so it's interesting that 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 was someone who gave, wow. gave you inspiration. Wow. It's a similar type wow. of thing. Um, even the years, the last two years of his life, couldn't eat. He had a feeding tube. Um, he couldn't speak really because his speech was so slurred. Uh, so he couldn't communicate. He couldn't eat. Um, he couldn't really move. He was in his chair or in bed. And uh, he was still just as happy as he was when he was totally able-bodied. Um, and that, that, yeah, it was such an inspiration. But um wow. Yeah, as far as the one of the big things that's that's helped me as well since we have embraced my my condition and made it part of my character on the chosen, um, it's the children that have reached out and the the parents of children and and just other people in general, whether they have a disability or not. Um, you know, I've had kids reach out that have severe acne that felt seen with in that little James and Jesus moment. Um, that have asked God, like, why won't you heal my acne? Like, you know, they have their insecurity is just as real as either of yeah, ours. And, yeah. um, mm. you know, body image issues, yeah. uh, learning disabilities, like yeah. any number of things. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's just been now I'm, I'm at a point and I want to ask you this question too. When Dallas asked me if I would be comfortable using my, my disability in the character, I said yes, but I was also terrified because I knew I would have to be more vulnerable as an actor than I had ever been before. Uh, how old were you at that point? Uh, that was, let's see. Ish. I think it was uh, uh, 30? Amazing. 29, 30, something So you're already like married. You're already a father. Yeah, yeah. And This is real, man. Yeah. And it was like, becoming a father definitely changed my perspective. Sure. Because I remember loving my children so like more than any more than i can ever even explain um and they love me too and accept me and i remember thinking i just had this thought one day that like if they can accept me as i am they wouldn't want me to walk any different they love the way i walk um i'm their dad so if they can accept me like this why can't i accept myself if any of them walked like i do i would love and accept them without any issue like i i um, would think they're just as beautiful as they are now. And, uh, so that helped help, help me be a little kinder to myself. Mm. Um, but I still hated walking past a reflective surface. I still hated seeing myself walk on camera. Mm. Um, I was still, that was at the forefront of my mind and every audition, every role that I got was don't limp, don't limp, don't limp. Um, rather than just playing the character. And, uh, so Dallas doing that, it was terrifying, but it gave me this freedom um, that I didn't really anticipate, which was now I just get to act. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to think about whether or not I'm limping. Um, 
And that's carried over into other roles. I just did uh, 1883 and worked on that for five or six months. My character didn't specifically have a disability, but um, I wasn't worried about whether or not I was limping. I was just playing the character and um, it it was liberating. Uh, But Dallas asked me when he was, uh, when he decided to make it part of the character, he said, if God could heal you right now, just out of curiosity, he was like, if God could heal you right now, um, would you want to be healed? And I told him no, but I really would like at the in that moment. I was like, if I was being honest, I would have said yes, I would want to be healed. But now, a few years, just a couple years later, uh, going through all of this, getting to act out this scene where I'm literally, you know, not quite yelling, but I'm I'm angry at Jesus for not healing me. Um, that was a really surreal experience as well. Um, but getting to act all of that out and having him tell me that, you know, you will be healed one day. It's a matter of time. And all of the things that he says in the scene, it was, uh, like running a marathon by the end of the day, I was just totally the best way. Um, and then the response after of all of these people, I I've developed really strong connections and relationships with a lot of the fans that, have reached out that have disabilities or children mm-hmm. that are bullied. Um, and uh, now, for the first time in my life, I genuinely, if I had the choice, I don't think I would want to be healed because I'm really enjoying being able to, like using this now yeah. for for good. And yeah. um, like you said, you don't waste this pain, like use it. Right. And um, I, I feel totally... Uh, you know, there are still moments of insecurity, of course, but I I feel totally at peace with uh, who I am and with the body that I've been given, and um, proud of it. And and I I maybe my asthma. If God God, if you want to heal my asthma, that'd be uh, I'll, I'll take that one. Jesus' name, we pray um, for that asthma to but go. The uh, Amen. But as far as the limp, you know, it's something that uh, I I think that's the thing I I want to ask. Like one. If you had the option right now to be healed, would mm-hmm, you? Mm-hmm. And then I want to dive into a little bit of uh, you know, the faith healing and and how some people's opinion that everyone, you know, will be healed if they ask or have enough faith. Uh, I want to talk about that because I've I've come uh, across some fans and people that have reached out and and pushed back against that scene a bit. So I'd be interested to hear. Your thoughts on how to? Um, I, I want to start there. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. That let's start there. Me there. Yeah. Um, there are churches who, first of all, they they have no education whatsoever in how to even um, embrace a family affected with a disability, and the number one ministry for that is johnnyandfriends.org. Johnny Erickson Tata. Yeah. Seventeen, nineteen years old, cracks her neck. She's quadriplegic. Amazing. Uh, woman of God, ambassador for Jesus, legend still here with us, and a dear friend of mine. And she helped us in the early days. Um, So it's first of all, uneducated awareness. Mm -hmm. There's just none. Um, And then you have the prosperity gospel where these Gen Zers who are seeing gold dust in the room um, are told to go and evangelize and just go out and heal people, going out to the market streets and laying their hands on cerebral palsy, wheelchair-bound teenagers, freaking people out. It's those Gen Z people who are told that 
who are also the ones who are praying for a car instead of getting a job. Yeah. Okay. Go get a job. You want a car? No. God gives you arms and legs. Go get a job and go save up money. You want to be generous? Good. Go make money and buy someone else a car. It's, it's this understanding, unfortunately, of this culture of moving in the spirit, moving in the spirit, moving in the spirit. I'm going to dance on my bills instead of getting a job and paying off my credit cards. It's, 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 it's so saddening. So I'm talking about the extreme of extremes right there. And sure. that's the same extreme of televangelists who, you know, they own four planes and they got one butt. Yeah. And, you know, 25,000 people today die of starvation. That, that's the extreme. Okay. Yeah. Now, in that setting, okay, now let's bring back the dial a little bit. Close to the middle ground are the people who say, well, you know, you just need to have more faith. Well, okay, you don't know how much faith I have, but the Bible says that I need to have faith of a mustard seed to move mountains, okay? And, and God even healed people based on your faith, not theirs, in the shadow, without anybody. The apostles would walk by people and without talking to them without them even understanding what faith is, miracles happen. So God moves beyond even our faith too, arguably, if mm -hmm. you want to put it that way, if we sure. want to have a scientific doctrinal discussion here. Now, I know we don't want to have that, but I've had these discussions, so I want people to understand this. It's not based on your faith. God knows the desires of your heart. It's also nothing wrong with you asking God to still heal your child of cerebral palsy. Right. You can love your child with all your heart and still pray that God still gives that child um, um, a less of a burden of life, sure. whether it's a mental handicap, whether it's cancer, whether it's anything, right? And all these things. Um, and there's nothing wrong with praying. I want people to know, don't feel guilty for hoping one yeah. day, okay? And you can still have contentment and be thankful and gratitude for every day and still, still feel deep down, it would be nice. Yeah. Right? So I want parents to understand that. And, and you having, you know, no arms and no legs, Nick, do you still want arms and legs? Well, first of all, I know that it's not dependent on how much money I give or how obedient I am to the Lord or some sin in my life. There are some people who are saying, oh, you're... You got the flu because of your sin. Shut up. Yeah. You have the flu because, you know, uh, you're not, there's something wrong. What are you doing? Where's the sin? Confess. I'm like, shut up, right? Yeah. All these things. So even John Erickson Tata, she said, you feel to pray for me? Go for it. I'm not going to stop you. Am I happy today? Yeah. Would she love to get out of, out of a wheelchair? Yeah. Absolutely. So it's that freedom of knowing, though, that the number one joy is abiding in him and he abiding in us. So I think I covered that. Yeah. All right. Now, for me, today, Jordan, you asked me, okay, um, today, like I'm, I'm looking at the clock, but I don't know whenever this is going to be. Let's take, they say this morning. doesn't matter when this is uploaded. Today. Sure. In the context of this question, I'm 40. I got a wife, four kids. I'm fully content. 
I've never been so happy. I went through hell the last three years, and it had nothing to do with my arms and legs. I mean, yeah, we've had grenades at our home, FBI bomb squad. We've had spying drones kicked out of the bank. I mean, Jordan, there's so much hell that we went through in the last three years, okay? I went through counseling in February 21. I needed 10 hours of counseling. And um, it was a rough, rough three years. We don't talk about a lot all the time about it. But I share that much with you today. Yeah. But in the context of traveling 78 countries so far, yeah, 2,500 flights, 3,500 speeches, I've been on television to China. Yeah. To a billion people. Do you know where I'm going on Saturday? I'm going to India. You want to know what they're doing in India? I found out for 10 years I've been a mandatory study in the nation of India for every single public school student as an inspiration in a national country wow. that has a religion called Hinduism. Now, Hindu means that you and me are outcasts. Our mothers should have been divorced and ostracized from community, and we are nothing. We shouldn't even be looked at. We should never reproduce. God forbid we reproduce. Yeah. That's Hinduism, okay, at its purest form. 330 million gods, a lot of gods to please, to please and appease. So, wow, very interesting. Now, I'm a mandatory textbook study. Amazing. Now, we're actually going to do a live stream into every single school across two states, live stream and national television once again. So, very, very, I've been there five times. To now being 78 countries, preaching the gospel to 9.8 million people in the countries that I could preach the gospel in and seeing 1.1 million give their life to Jesus Christ. Now, when I was a kid begging God for arms and legs, I actually said, God, doesn't it make sense and wouldn't it be cool? If you gave me arms and legs, I'd go on Oprah Winfrey for showing me presidents. Well, I was on Oprah <laughs> without arms and legs. And yeah. I've met 24 presidents and prime ministers. And the last one was Benjamin Netanyahu behind closed doors for an hour and a half. And now he wants me to go and speak motivationally to every single school in the country and every run in the military defense. We know presidents, protects presidents, okay? This is amazing. We're talking about resetting all of sub-Sahara Africa. We're talking about preaching the gospel to 8 billion people through lifewithoutlimbs.org. I mean, we bought the domain, 8billionsouls.com. I'm now the chief of Gen Z chairman for 22 denominations on their programming of discipleship and evangelism. We're completely resetting some churches who actually completely want to reset. So, wow. If 2 billion people, which is the core of the world, one in four people know who I am without arms and legs. So if you ask me today, would it be great to have arms and legs? Would I want it? A hundred percent. Because it wouldn't ever be a question in my mind. Did I reach enough people without arms and legs? Because a quarter of the world, one in four already have known me without arms and legs. Right. So I kind of have an advantage over that. Now ask me three years ago. I don't know. Yeah. Now I'm feeling like I have to start praying for it. This is weird, dude. Yeah. I'm actually starting to pray for arms and legs. Wow. I'm, I'm actually starting to pray for arms and legs regularly. Fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah. It's very fascinating. I mean. That's, yeah. And I've never said that on camera. Right. <laughs> like I I'm mean, regularly now praying for arms and legs. But I'm sure it feels so different. It's uh, a different from the prayer as yes. that eight-year-old or ten-year-old. It's doing completely it. like a different lifetime. Yeah, and and it's not that I'm like, and it's funny because you can relate to this. 
you never get over the fact of having a limp. You never get over the fact to having no arms and legs. And it sucks when your wheelchair breaks down. And people don't understand. Like today, I was a little angry because it's really hard to find the right Q-tips for my ears. I'm like, I've gone through 30 different Q-tip brands trying to get another human being who's trying to just clean your ears without poking your eardrum. Just these little things that people don't understand. One of my most difficult things today was cleaning my ears. Wow. People don't understand. And that's been like, and it's, it's a highlight every single time I clean my ears until we find the right Q-tip. I mean, it's like that it's that like people don't understand though, the long suffering of the position. I want people to understand this. Ready? Some of the people who are listening to this are actually one of the greatest prayer warriors in the world. And those are the people who actually fix their eyes on Jesus Christ. And he allows you to actually remain sometimes in the long suffering to abide in him and depend on him just like never before. So that you and your prayer life is in him and you actually pray, you pray, you actually probably pray more than your pastor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we must understand that there is prayer warrior intercession, there's encouragement, and there's this incredible thing called technology. I actually believe, Jordan, I actually believe this. I believe that disabled, homebound people, according to the Luke 14 mandate, we're actually about to become the most spotlight. This is the first time I'm ever saying this publicly, so I'm just trying to process exactly how I'm saying this before it comes out of my mouth. I see an army of a million people with disabilities to start their podcasts or ministries or Zoom calls to encourage, and I see armies being raised up. And people who feel like there is no purpose will come to their home through the camera. Mm-hmm. And what Jordan has been doing, maybe you're supposed to also start doing. Be encouraged by this. It's not Nick or Jordan. It's God. And whatever God did through Nick and Jordan is in him, through him, for him. Not that we were smarter than you. And so it's, it's also the, the gift, the gift of long-suffering. The long-suffering state of being in need continually. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say what jo- Johnny Erickson Tata said. She said, Jordan, God ruthlessly perfects those who he royally elects. Wow. And there are some people who go to church every single Sunday. And you know what they're hoping for? A smooth week. Right. Oh my Gosh, are we here to sip a pina colada? Have you not heard about the Great Commission? Have you not heard that there are 70 million people with human trafficking? Have you not heard? Have you not heard 25,000 people died today? You know, like, hello, where are we? It's amazing. People don't understand the opportunity of having someone as a cerebral palsy church member person. Can, they can smile. And probably even evangelize better than your pastor or your youth pastor. And you want to know what's amazing? When people see a limp or a limbless man or someone with cerebral palsy, guess what happens? Their smile is noticed. 
their smile is noticed. Yeah. More than anybody. And that's your story. You see, your story ain't done yet. And so Champions for the Broken Hearted with Life Without Limbs, we understand that it's more than just me and my story. Um, we, you know, we talk about the unborn, we talk about the human traffic, we talk about people with disabilities, and that's our March theme. Each month we have a theme. And uh, I, I would love to interview you on that show. I love that, yeah. Um, that would be amazing. Um, and, uh, I, 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 I think it's, it's, it's now, I think it's now that we understand that it's beyond disabilities. It's all about broken hearts and coming back to our misstep in theology mm -hmm. that we're actually not getting where when you come to God, he great, does the greatest miracle of all. He saves you and he fills you with his spirit, but then you walk with him and you talk with him and you surrender to him. Um, and you see the blessings of God in that. In His grace is sufficient. Apostle Paul asked God yeah. three times, please, please take this from my side. Take this thorn. God said, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. You know, you've been at this for a lot longer than me in terms of being in the public eye and, yeah. and being a you know, a, a spokesperson for, for a certain community and, and, and for, uh, offering, you know, hope and encouragement to people. And now, you know, th through the chosen and through this character in the podcast, I'm, I'm blessed enough to, to be beginning that I, I've started doing some more speaking engagements awesome. and, um, I've been traveling around doing that. And it's, it's been a, a learning process of, you know, uh, trying to figure out all of the the logistics of it and figuring out the the structure and stuff that I want to work with. But one thing that I've come across um, that maybe you'll have some advice is the, the, the people who do like, you know, you touched on the, um, the Christians who say you just need to pray harder. And there are times where I need to catch myself or I've, I've had to catch myself a few times among the thousands of positive comments of other people with disabilities that are reaching out and saying, you know, I felt like Jesus was talking to me in that scene and all of these amazing messages and emails that I've been getting. Um, there's every now and then the one that says uh, that scene was, uh, you know, blasphemous. That scene was, uh, you know, God, God does want to heal you. You, uh, God never would have not healed someone that asked, like all of these things. Um, and one, one woman uh, on Facebook, I saw I was tagged on a video and she has a, a page for, with this uh, ministry that she does. And, um, in the video, it was her just saying how disappointed she was in the chosen for doing that scene for portraying little James in this way. And, um, I, everyone's got an opinion. Right? I, yeah, well, I, I posted a, a long response to it and sure. as, as compassionately and as, as gentle as I could and, sure. and just explained, um, you know, because she kept referring to little James as, as sick or broken. Um, so I responded and was like, Hey, little James here. Um, <laughs> I uh, just wanted to say, um, I don't view myself as, as sick or broken or, um, even in need of the type of healing that, that you're, you're talking about. Um, and I, I just wrote this long thing and, and, and talked about all of the Christians, all of the, the Christians with disabilities out there that are never healed. All of the Christians, like we talked about with cancer that aren't healed. Um, and the idea, according to her, that they weren't healed because 
they didn't have enough faith or they didn't ask enough or they didn't pray hard enough. Um, and to me, you know, I've, I've never agreed with that or believed in that. Um, and then she went on Facebook Live, I noticed, uh, responding to my response. So I joined her Facebook Live and uh, we just had a little conversation and hashed it out. I quickly realized I wasn't going to get anywhere. Yeah, no. Um, so that's kind of the the lesson I learned from that was like... Give me her. Let's okay, go. There we go. Yeah. Let's go. I, I mentioned I would, I would you and to. Johnny. No, I'd, I'd love to. Like, seriously. But you know what? Then maybe people don't even know who she is. Right. I'd rather have a sit with somebody who actually everyone knows. Yeah. You know? And that's been in my brain. Yeah. But I won't take her... I, I love you. God bless you. Sure. It's not about taking someone on. But it's about having the conversation that actually needs to be said. And I'm not going to mention who she was. Sure. This this person that I'm about to tell you. I went to this woman. Very prominent daddy. Mm-hmm. Very prominent. Very respected worldwide. And I said, when do we correct the church? She said, we don't. And I totally disagree. We have misstepped. And you go talk to anyone in South America and anyone in Africa and ask them, how did the prosperity gospel wave affect your continent? Where did it come from? Oh, America. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That is reality. I'm sorry. When it comes to prosperity gospel, why would God ever deny your healing? I would love to have that debate with people. We, we, we're actually coming to a stage where I'm actually going to do a, a TV talk show. Yeah. And it's going to be unlike nothing, um, like anything else. And, and I'm just done. I'm, you know, I'm 40. I've seen it. I hate Instagram, Facebook, and I'm not a Christian just to complain about things. You ask God for the solution, mm-hmm. and you figure it out. And by the grace of God, there is technology and people who are all thinking the same way, where there are alternative ways to really continue to emanate without being bullied and blockwalled and algorithmed of Instagram and Facebook to be canceled. I mean, you know, we've been canceled. We know what that feels like. And so... This is, to me, such an important show, um, a podcast that that emanates truth. So thank you, because outside of Johnny Erickson Tada, there aren't a lot of other people. I mean, there are some out there for sure. Um, and there are some wonderful speakers out there um, and books. Mm-hmm. Jen Bricker is amazing, too. You got you to gotta talk to her one day. Yeah. Um, she's a friend of mine, but I just feel this is such a beautiful moment for me just to meet you and, and speak this way to the audience that you had. Jordan, I don't ever think I've ever had an audience like this where you can just outright share this stuff in such a comfortable way and just having the conversation, but also not shying away from the most difficult questions. So. I love you, man. This I love is, you too. I'm sorry if I said too no. much, but I'm not. But, no, no. But this is this is really a passion of mine, you yeah. know. And I want people to know, like, we we will do what we're supposed to do. And I'm not afraid of saying what you're doing 
that actually may be needing a different approach and perspective. And I'm always yeah. open to having a, a healthy debate. Yeah. Always. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. I mean, have the conversation. Let's have a conversation about how you can actually have a conversation about the broken foster care and adoption, about the human traffic, about the abuse. Do you know that one in three girls in America have been sexually abused by age 17? One out of five boys by age 17 sexually abused in America. Yeah. We're the number one leading human trafficking nation in the world right now. We tripled the quadruple in 24 months. Human trafficking in Texas, we've tripled the quadruple wow. of the annual data just came in. It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. And so this is, you can't talk about God and love without talking about the value of life, the miraculous, and the church actually waking up, mm -hmm. actually getting off the ventilator. Because some don't even know their own. You mentioning like having some humility and 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 uh, I think when it comes to you know the prosperity gospel, a lot of the people who I'm not saying that people haven't been saved. From sure, the, sure, yeah. Sorry. No, but but a lot of the people that that are of the mindset that you know you got to pray harder, you're gonna you're gonna get what you're asking for. Yeah. You just have to do this. Yeah. Um. They're you typically in positions of of. Privilege. They're typically able-bodied. They they aren't um, in need in the same way that some other people might be. Yeah. And uh, I think that's it is so important for. And I try to do this on the podcast as well. Have people um, that have different struggles, different. Uh, you know, I had um, Rami Youssef, who's a Muslim comedian who has a TV show on on Hulu that's a hilarious show. Um, he talked a lot about being a Muslim teenager in New York right after nine eleven. And uh, what he experienced with that. And, you know, having, I had a, a father on who lost his daughter uh, in a mass shooting and uh, when she was 14 years old at, at Parkland in Florida. I think it's so important to have conversations and to just listen to other people as a human being. Yes. And to love them, to have compassion for them. Even if you still come out of the conversation disagreeing, you at least can, can empathize with them and understand how they came to their conclusion, how they got to where they are. Um, and I think that the church in general, that's been, uh, something I've, I've had an issue with in, in, in America in particular, I think that, that we have a bit of an ego in America and in the American church at times where, um, there's not always that humility and, and willingness to look in the mirror and to, to ask the tough questions and to say, Hey, what are we doing wrong? What, what can we, um, you know, do to, to lead with more, uh, you know, compassion and empathy and and um i think that there is a lot of room to grow in all of us and within the church and um it's easy to become stagnant uh and that's one of the reasons i started this podcast was to grow as a person and to hear hear people and to share you know my story and and uh in hopes that it can help others you know maybe Maybe do the same. So I love it. And I'm sorry if I came off strong, but I'm just more angry at the churches, you know, more yeah. than anything. Um, only because, you know, we're, we're the, here's some music to face. 100,000 churches with $490 billion worth of debt for buildings that was mostly emptied. And we can't take a half a million kids off the foster care system. I mean, seriously, dude. 
Yeah. So forgive the Christians for being asleep. And uh, if this is a wake-up moment, welcome. I love you. Let's go. Let's get learning and let's move. Um, yes, and, and, and may we reach out to be the hands and feet and love people and preach the gospel with or without words. Yeah. Amen. Now, I want to, before we, we wrap it up, I want to ask you um, what I end all of my podcasts with. And I gave you some, uh, I, I gave you a little heads up before we started. So sure. um, I always end by asking, what is the thing that you love most about yourself? Oh, gosh. Well, let me, let me reframe the question. What, what am I most thankful for me in my life first, if I may preface sure. it? Um, any good that you see in me, honestly, with no false humility, it's in him, for him, through him, even the breath that I have is his. Um, I'm, I'm glad I know the truth, and that's truly set me free from all the fear and anything that the world could ever give me or take away from me or tell me I know the truth. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad. What do I like about myself? Coming to your question, I love the fact that it was groomed by my parents that when people come up to me and they're a little awkward, yeah, they said, look, well, they just don't know what to do. Do they shake your hand? Do they talk to you? Do they look at you? Do, you, do we ask you for help? You know, all these things. I mean, you and I could have 10 podcasts together, actually, on yeah. all this and break it down. Series. Like, just that, yeah, no, I'm actually tempted to think more about that with you um, and figure what that looks like. Because yeah. so many people, like a practical level, like it's even people who actually have a heart for people with disabilities, like, hey, tell me, you know, or a caregiver, you know, like, because I've had caregivers and and uh, there's people that, that ask, like, hey, I'm helping someone with something do I do this? Do I not do this? When do I yeah. lean in? When do I go? You know, like, and then anyway, so um, what I like though about what my parents basically taught me was just relax. You know, like, don't be offended if someone asks you, do you want help? Do you need help? Just right. freaking relax. You've never, they've never seen anyone like you. You know, the kids are pointing at me. They've never seen anyone like you. Yeah. But what I love most was they, they taught me just to, to be myself and talk. Mm -hmm. And just, hi. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do that. And I said, hi. And they said, hi, back. And I'm like, oh, I can have a conversation, right? Yeah. And in that conversation, then I took it a little bit more and um, started saying jokes. Like, if it's a cold morning, you know, hey, it's cold. Can't feel my hands. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, the ice breaks, you know, and then they're actually conversing with me on an eye level, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think the humor part um, has obviously really helped with all the beginning years of me learning the ropes of, you know, 3,500 speeches. Humor is always there. Yeah. And I think humor is a wonderful thing. It's like music. It's like movies that really connect and open uh, the heart in a way that brings down the barriers. And yeah. so the preconceived ideas of what is he here now is going to make me feel sorry for him, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, he can even make fun of himself. Right. This guy's cool. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like addressing the elephant in the room because people don't know how to they don't know. react. Yeah. It's something too that uh, I, I'm really aggressive in my, my pursuit for, uh, of, of working with filmmakers that I, I, 
admire or um, finding other acting projects. Um, and now I lead with my my limp. I like when I'm sending emails to producers or casting directors. I always put in a little note. I mention like you know I have a limp. I have cerebral palsy and scoliosis. I tell them a bit of my story. Send them my my footage. And then I always end the emails by saying, I know this is a little uh, unorthodox, but I'm just trying to do anything I can to give myself a leg up, pun intended. <laughs> um, and it's something that instead of of worrying about it and and viewing it as a bad thing, I'm like, no, I'm, you know, own it. You know, yeah, it's it's yeah, the hand that yeah. we've been dealt. So, yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that approach. You know, kids come up and they ask what happened. I just say cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't, it, yeah don't smoke. Don't smoke. Yeah. You just use an anti-smoking campaign. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, it's all I great. love that. You were such a joy to get to know today. You too. Thank I mean, you so. this was uh, such a blessing. Meet your wife and your family. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll have to get together. Pray. Yeah. Love you. Can I pray for love everyone? Love you too. Yes, please. Please do. God, we thank you that you love us and that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we thank you, Lord, for heaven. And one day we're going to be completely perfect uh, in our bodies and feeling and emotional and psycholo- psychological Struggles will never, ever be there. Father, we thank you that um, one day there will be um, no spiritual warfare. And we thank you that we're going to be in full joy and full peace um, because of your son. We thank you that you would bless us uh, today. Give us comfort and strength. Bless those who don't know you yet. Uh, Thank you for this show and bless Jordan. And uh, we thank you for those that have received a a seed of faith in them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you, man. Love you too. Thanks such for doing this. This is cool, dude. Yeah. I had a blast. Yeah. So that was my conversation with Nick. I hope all of you were as inspired and enlightened by uh, what he had to say as I was. Uh, it was so cool, again, like I said, getting to to chat with him and get to know him and to make a new friend. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited to work with him again in the future. We've talked about doing a few other things, so uh, stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you want to learn more about... Uh, Nick and what he's doing and, and, uh, you know, all of the exciting stuff he's doing, not only in his ministry, but also in terms of motivational speaking and advocacy for the disabled community, you can visit nickvujicic.com, which is Nick and then V-U-J-I-C-I-C.com. Uh, so visit that, go uh, check out all of his social media pages, which you can find just by typing in his name again. Uh, and Go to lifewithoutlimbs.org to find out more about Nick's evangelical organization. Uh, He does a lot of really, really cool work through there uh, as well. And you can check out his book, also titled Life Without Limbs. So uh, go do all of that. Show Nick some love. Uh, because he's definitely putting a lot of love out into the world himself. Uh, so it, it's only fair that we uh, return some of that of that love back to him. Um, But now is the time for me to talk about next week's guest. So next week, uh, I'm really excited to be chatting with uh, a sibling, actually, of one of my chosen castmates. You might know him as one of the founding members of the All-American Rejects. 
Uh, and now his band uh, that he's he's currently in with his wife, Kim, is Other Lives. Uh, and he is a fantastic musician and singer, but an even cooler person. I'm talking about Jesse Tabish, who is the brother of Liz Tabish, our very own Mary Magdalene on The Chosen. Um, and I had the privilege of getting to know Jesse uh, when I was with Liz in Berlin and Amsterdam for uh, some Chosen stuff. And uh, Jesse he and his wife Kim ended up meeting up with us and uh we got to to hang out with them for a bit while we were in Amsterdam so that was really exciting uh and really fun and yeah so in a couple days here I'm going to be sitting down and doing my interview with Jesse and I can't wait for all of you to get to know him a little bit better as well so until then remember to go give us a follow at uh the Jordan Ross on social media as well as at what's your limp you can also go to YouTube, type in What's Your Limp, and subscribe to us there because we post really cool video highlights uh, from, from all of your favorite episodes. And uh, yeah, just be sure to love your limp, be good to yourselves, and I will talk to you all next week.